Today on Blue 58, the Packers are starting their second run through the NFC North before they've even really finished their first one. They host the Vikings for round two of their rivalry series this weekend. Is there any reason to be concerned about this 1-5 team from Minnesota? Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink. Happy to be with you here for another episode. We'll talk about the Vikings in a second, but first I want to mention something that may be of interest to you if you are thinking about becoming a Patreon supporter. We are bringing something back. We are restarting the Patreon-specific podcast. We used to, to do this on a monthly basis back in 2019, and it kind of fell off after some changes um, for both of us. And uh, we have decided to bring it back. So you'll hear from me uh, what I think is going to be twice a month and uh, just try to bring some more content to that channel. We're, we're trying to do more to, uh, to support uh, the people who are supporting us there. So if you are interested um, in doing that, you will get access to all of that. But uh, that doesn't mean that we are going to do less content elsewhere. The regular stream of content will continue. So if you don't want to support on Patreon, that is fine. That is not something that you will have to do. I'm not big into uh, gating off content. If if there is stuff that we produce for Patreon, it will be more bonus content than stuff that you will be missing out on on the regular channel. So check that out if you, if you are interested. $1 per month uh, gets you in the door there. So the Vikings. The Vikings come to Lambeau Field at 1-5 this weekend. I'm going to start this preview kind of in reverse. Because usually we talk about the percentage of fans that think they're going to win at the end. Today I want to start at the beginning. 97.4% of Packers fans that we polled in our weekly poll on Twitter think the Packers are going to win. That is the second highest total of the year. All the way back in week four, a month ago now, when the Packers played the Falcons, that was the highest total, 97.8. So less than half a percent less than the hapless Falcons. All right. The Packers should win this game. The Vikings are not very good. I can think of very little reason to disagree with the fans who think they're going to win. The Vikings' offense is kind of floundering. They're a little bit lost. They scored 30 points or more in three of their first four games. They scored 26 against the Seahawks, then just 23 against the Falcons. Kirk Cousins is a little bit all over the place. He's thrown 11 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. He's completing just under 65% of his passes. Kirk Cousins can be a really good quarterback, but this year he's been on the lower end of average. On defense, the part of this team that is supposed to be its strength they are now down both of their elite edges. Yannick Ngakwe has been traded less than a half season after he arrived in Minnesota. And Daniil Hunter is now officially done for the season after back surgery. All of those facts being what they are, I don't think there's a lot of reason to sit down here and dig through who the Vikings are and what danger they pose to the Packers. Right now, it looks like the Vikings might be down their top four cornerbacks against the Packers. Ask the Texans how that worked out. It just doesn't seem like the Vikings are equipped to really compete with the Packers in this one. 
So I think that gives us an opportunity to talk about where these teams are going, the Packers and the Vikings. But on top of that, we need to talk about the NFC North as a whole. Mike McCarthy was right about this. Winning your division is important. The quickest way to the playoffs is winning your division. Division win gets you a home playoff game. That's never a bad thing to have. The next thing you want to do after that is get to 10 wins because your seating will be that much better, and then you just go from there. So talking about the division as a whole seems to be the right thing to do this week because the Packers are about to start their second trip through the NFC North. And by the way, can I just say it annoys me to no end, you know, world's smallest violin for me, but it annoys me to an extreme degree that the Packers are going to be playing the Vikings for the second time before they've even played the Bears once. That just doesn't seem like it should happen. You should play everybody in your division, do whatever else you have to do, and then play everybody in your division again. It doesn't seem like that should be that hard. Then again, making the NFL schedule is ridiculously difficult. So I'll cut him a little bit of slack. Still, it seems ridiculous. Let's talk about the Vikings then in the scope of the NFC North as a whole. Not to put too fine a point on it, but the Vikings are out of it for this year. At 1-5, and five, they are probably not going to catch the Bears or the Packers unless something goes horribly wrong with both of those teams. And the Vikings play at a level they have not demonstrated they are capable of reaching so far this year. I don't think that's being too terribly unfair to the Vikings. To wit, for Acme Packing Company this week, I spoke with Eric Thompson of the Daily Norseman uh, about the Vikings in general. Guys, they are in rough shape over there. The Vikings fans are not super optimistic with where the team is right now. Uh, Eric told me multiple times, asked me multiple times if he could make sure that the Packers would go easy on the Vikings, if that was at all possible. Here's just a brief part of our chat, the full text of which you can check out at acmepackingcompany.com and at thepowersweep.com. I'm going to get those links up, and they should be up Friday. I asked Eric, among the rest of the questions, where what he had as his level of panic concerning the Vikings' defense right now. Again, this is supposed to be the strength of their team, but it just hasn't worked out that way. And they've got a defensive-minded head coach. They've built around their defense for a long time. And Eric says, I think the panic index is broken. It's on tilt. It went to 11 and the needle got stuck. Even if the defensive side of the roster was intact, there were going to be some bumps in the road with new pieces. Now there are key players missing, and some of those new pieces that were already struggling are probably missing the game on Sunday anyway. And he goes on from there. So the Vikings are in rough shape, and they are committed to the path they're on for the foreseeable future. They've extended... GM Rick Spielman. They've extended head coach Mike Zimmer. They've extended quarterback Kirk Cousins. And now they've made that bed and they've got a lie in it. But does that plan make sense at all? Right now it doesn't look good, but is there a path back for the Vikings? We won't go into this in depth with the other two teams because we're just looking at where they are for the rest of the season. But for the Vikings, I think it's interesting because There is a path where they could be back on track sooner than later. They made something like 15 draft picks this spring. They've got another 12 or so in next year's draft. And sure, not all those draft picks are going to work out, but that'll be like 27 bites at the apple. They can get enough players 
and be cheap enough to get out of this cap hell that they're in and get back to contention sooner than later. That's the theory, at least. If I was a Vikings fan, I'd be at least slightly encouraged by that, by the support that this institution seems to have for the people they believe in, Spielman, Zimmer, and Cousins, and by not throwing good money after bad. So Unique Ngakwe's not working out in Minnesota. Instead of just riding this out to the offseason, whatever, they get what they can and move on. That's the old sunk cost fallacy that I begged the Packers to avoid with Brett Hundley back in 2017. Look, things aren't working out. you got to make a change. Things weren't working out. They made a change. Yep, they've got some egg on their face for getting worked in the trade, but they took their lumps and they moved on. That's an admirable thing to do. You you can and you probably should give them a hard time for making the trade in the first place if this is how they were going to end up, but they're not sticking around with guys that they don't see as part of their future, and they are supporting the guys who they think should be a part of their future. There is something admirable about that. It's like that gift from Saturday Night Live. That's a really nice thought. It's wrong, but it's really nice. Maybe it is wrong to support Spielman, Zimmer, and Cousins, but at the very least, they're going to be be able to see out this plan that they're working out. I would also be discouraged if I was a Vikings fan, though, because the Vikings, as presently constructed, really stink. They are just not not a good team. That's hard to get over. And it looks like they're probably going to get worked over by their biggest rival this weekend. That's a bitter bitter pill to swallow. Think about 2018, how it felt to lose to the Bears twice. Two pretty winnable games. Well, not, not twice. They won in week one, but lose to the Bears down the stretch when you're trying to claw back into the divisional race. That that stings. And it's hard to get over. But part of rebuilding is taking some lumps like that. Let's talk about the Bears. The Bears are sitting at 5-2, and two, and they seem like a little bit of the poor man's version of what the Vikings are supposed to be. They've got a pretty strong offense and an or a pretty strong defense, excuse me, and an offense that just isn't quite coming together enough to keep them in games. They're 5-2, and two, and they got handled pretty thoroughly by the Rams on Monday night. Nevertheless, they've got a pretty strong defense. 7th in scoring, 10th in yards, and they're taking the ball away in the top half of the league. The big question here is whether Nick Foles or Mitchell Trubisky can play well enough to keep them in games in the way that Trubisky and Foles have played so far. The answer is no. However, there is reason to wonder if they actually are really getting a fair shake. Because I think a lot of people are starting to reconsider the Matt uh, Matt Nagy offensive genius position. There was some stuff coming out about the Vikings, not the Vikings, the Bears, earlier this week about the quarterbacks on that team believing that they really never had a chance when Nagy was calling the plays. He was calling plays that put them in positions where they could not possibly succeed. That was something that was said on the broadcast during their last game. That'd be really concerning if I was a Bears fan. Got this coach that's supposedly an offensive genius but even the quarterbacks with whom he's supposed to have a really close relationship think that he's not calling plays that are giving them a chance to even do their jobs. 
that'd be really concerning. I don't think you can discount the Bears. But I also think you can count on the Bears screwing up a couple games here in the near future that they probably should have a chance at winning. You could also probably take a look at how the Bears do the next two weeks and really get a good idea whether they were ever contenders or not. They play the Saints this Sunday, and then they play the Titans the week after. Then the Vikings, then a bye, then the Packers. By the time the Packers finally get a shot at the Bears, who will they who they will play twice in the final six weeks of the season, we should have a pretty good idea whether the Bears are real or whether they are frauds. Speaking about teams you can't decide if are real or not, we have the Detroit Lions. The Detroit Lions are almost right in the middle of almost every traditional stat you can think of. No higher than like 12th or 13th, never really any lower than like 23rd or so. On offense and on defense. So are the Lions actually good and playing bad? Are they pretend mirage good and even when they get their pieces back? Or are they actually bad? Are they badly coached? What are they? I'll be honest, I don't have an answer here. Matt Patricia doesn't seem like he's really capable of putting together a program in Detroit. He's had plenty of time to do it, and the really only the defining characteristic, the only defining characteristic for the Lions so far, is that they make a lot of dumb mistakes, and their best players are overpaid former Patriots. That's about it. Also, you've got Matt Stafford and Kenny Galladay and their holdovers from the previous regime. So what do you make of the, of the Lions? They do seem like one of those teams that can jump up and bite you just about any time. Ask how the Packers did against them last year, and you'll get a bunch of grumbles from Lions fans. I can hear them from my house. But on the other hand, they still lost those games. And then they got hammered by the Packers earlier this year after having a double-digit lead over the Packers. And what about the Packers? What are the Packers really? We're going to find out here over the next month or two of the season. And I think by the time the Packers really get down to the stretch run, we're already going to have a pretty good idea of how they're going to to perform in the playoffs. But what are people thinking about the Packers? We are half a season into our polling here now, and we're starting to get a really good idea of what people think about the, the big names in the Packers organization. As has been the trend, there are a couple tiers among our approval rating polling. Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur have been up at the top every year. Right now, Rodgers is on top of LaFleur, 98.3% approve of his efforts so far this season. 95.2% of LaFleur fans approve of his performance this season. Then towards the middle, you've got Brian Gutekunst at 64.5%. You've got Sean Menenga, who has continued to drop the past couple weeks for reasons that are not entirely clear to me, but he's down to 33.9% after peaking at the mid-60s in week five. And then you've got Mike Pettin down in single digits for the second week in a row. But digging into the numbers further, you really get to see an idea of what people really think about some of these figures. Gutekunst's numbers have been steady these past couple weeks. Mid-60s approval rating. But it's not like a bunch of people disapprove of what he's doing. An increasing number of fans have a neutral opinion 
of Brian Gutekunst. They're not sure which way they're going to go right now. Right now, 30.6% of fans have what they describe as a neutral opinion of Brian Gutekunst. I think they're waiting to make up their minds until after the trade deadline. So we'll see how that shakes out in our poll next week. I was tempted to bump up the polling days, but I want to see what people think the day after the trade deadline passes. If the Packers don't make a move at the trade deadline, how will that affect what people think of Brian Gutekunst? An increasing number of fans are also moving moving around on a week-to-week basis on Mike Pettin. He's been in single digits, sure, but last week, 64% disapproved of what he was doing. That number has dropped to 44% this week. People are moving from neutral to disapprove and back again. People are going to start making up their minds here really soon. And I'd like to close this quasi-preview podcast with someone who has already made up his mind about the Packers for this year. Listener John writes in from San Diego, quote, As much as I'd love for the Packers to go all in for a piece to make a Super Bowl push this season, it seems the front office already made their decision this draft, which, albeit way too early, is looking scarily like 2015, that they're building for the future and not the present. It seems like they either need to decide to win now and snag in an Amari Cooper or Alshon Jeffrey, or I hate to say it, look at a rebuild. I don't think we can have sustained success when all of our young playmakers are rapidly approaching contracts and haven't seen enough young talent behind them. Within two seasons, we can have a top-paid quarterback, running back, cornerback, outside linebacker, defensive line, and left tackle. I would argue do whatever you have to do to win this season or next because there are a lot of personnel decisions upcoming and we'll just miss our opportunity, our window of opportunity if we wait for another middling draft from Goody, end quote. So a lot to unpack there. First, I think there is something to the idea of maybe ending up with a top-heavy roster. So I'll say a couple things about that first. The Packers are going to be in trouble here over the next year or so because they are going to have a lot of big contracts at the top of their roster. Cornerback, running back, cornerback, edge, defensive lineman, and left tackle. Yep, those are all situations or all positions where they could have top money players under contract. Some of those contracts, though, are going to go. I think if you're looking at the the edge, one of the three, Zadarius or Preston Smith, or Rashawn Gary isn't going to be in the Packers uniform in the near future. And it's not going to be Zadarius Smith, and it's not going to be the guy in his rookie contract. At running back, there is a non-zero chance that this is going to be it for Aaron Jones. All the data says that moving on from a running back sooner than later is smart, as good a running back as he may be. At corner, Jair is still a little ways out but that is coming. At left tackle, the Packers have performed pretty well without David Bakhtiari. I'm not saying this is what they will do. I think there's a better than 50-50 shot they bring him back. But if you think that hasn't escaped the notice of the people in the front office, I think you're kidding yourself a little bit. I think there is a chance that 
David Bakhtiari could be moved on, or they could move on from David Bakhtiari as well. So that cuts the list down to having a top-paid quarterback, a top-paid potential cornerback a couple years from now, one highly-paid edge, and a highly-paid defensive lineman. So that's just down to four from six. So that's not too bad a, a situation. The second thing you have to remember is that as bad as things are going to be for the Packers, things are as bad or worse for a lot of teams around the league. Right now, as of this very moment, without any cap changes at all, without any sort of pandemic-related cap crunch, without any sort of moving of money around at all, the New Orleans Saints are already $78 million over the 2021 cap. And that is with a projected cap number that would be the same from this year to next. In the event that things really get tough for the NFL and for NFL teams, the Saints are going to be in real trouble. And they are far from the only team that is in that boat. The Philadelphia Eagles find themselves in a similar situation. As of right now, they are $68 million over next year's cap. These are not uncommon numbers. Those are the biggest ones, but they're not uncommon. So I would pump the brakes a little bit on the idea that the Packers are going to have all this big money and that they need to to be looking at tearing it down here in the near future. A lot of other teams are going to be in a similar boat. So, so take a little bit of heart there. The second part of this, though, is, is kind of a, well, it's kind of two parts in and of itself. First, the idea that the Packers are building for the future and not the present. I wrestle with this self, with this, with this a lot myself. My good friend and Packers colleague, Gary Zillavi and I were talking after the NFL draft. And I remember distinctly saying to him, that it feels like for the entire Rodgers era, it seems like the Packers have just been building and building and building for two years from now. Every, every year they're trying to peak two years from now. And then all of a sudden this spring they just decided, nope, we got to really start building for the future. We're not even going to try to peak at all. We're going to start laying the foundation for another core group of players that we can build around to peak two years from the future when they take over two years from now. So the peak that was supposed to be two years from now, now is the start of an entirely new era with Jordan Love. So I myself really struggle with the idea of building for the future at all because we are trying to win this season. And it seems like the Packers have been slow to really not even go all in, like go half in, like really commit to a single season, not even like we're going to throw all of our resources at this season. Just it, It's never really seemed or felt, I guess, I, maybe it seems that way, but it's never felt like they're really saying we're going to do whatever we can to maximize our chances at winning this year. It's always just been that we're going to try to get to the playoffs and see what happens 
sort of mentality. They're never trying to really put the pedal all the way down and say, we're, we're really committing to this year. So I get the frustration there. But I really hesitate with the idea of saying they've got to go out and get blank. And John says Amari Cooper or Alshon Jeffrey. For you, that might be Will Fuller or Kenny Stills or Michael Gallup, the receiver in Dallas. Whoever it is for you, you might be sitting there saying, if they could just get blank, things would all be good. And I can't help but think back to last trade deadline when the situation was, if the Packers can just get Emmanuel Sanders, or if the Packers can just get Muhammad Sanu, then everything's going to be okay. Because if you look at last season, can you honestly say to yourself, well, I know things were tough in San Francisco, but if the Packers had just had Emmanuel Sanders, everything would have been different. Or if the Packers had just had Muhammad Sanu, everything would have been different. I really struggle with the idea of finding that one guy who can put you over top, over the top. Just that one guy. I'm as frustrated as anybody with the apparent weaknesses on the Packers roster and their apparent reluctance to devote any kind of resources to trying to upgrade their wide receiver room at all or trying to add any depth on the defensive line at all. I get that. But I'm equally unconvinced that the Packers just need one guy. It might be two or three guys. It might be four or five guys. The Packers might get to the end of the season and we might say, well, it was silly for us to ever think they were contenders at all. They were a lot farther away than we really thought. The Packers probably could use that many guys more than just the one. But even having said that, it is always tempting to say, yeah, but one guy could make a lot of difference on offense. One additional wide receiver could make that key third down catch. Because that play that I keep coming back to against the Houston Texans is the tail end of that last three and out. When Marquez Valdez-Scantling is open past the third down marker and the ball is on target, And he just drops it. Could one player make a difference in a situation like that? In a situation like that, the answer is probably yes. Does Will Fuller make that catch? Probably. Does Kenny Stills make that catch? Probably. Does Randall Cobb make that catch? Probably. And what does something like that do for your offense as a whole? It's really hard to sort out your feelings in a situation like this. So I guess what I would say is acknowledge the temptation of thinking one guy can put us over the top and think about how much that one guy is really going to make a difference. Then remember that guy that you, would, you thought would make all the difference And hold on to that. He doesn't end up on the Packers. Then let's all look back together at the end of the season and say, would he have really helped? 
At the very least, I think we can do that. Because I don't think you're going to convince me right now that one guy is really going to do it. But we should at least remember those guys that we thought would. Because that's something that we can look back on and maybe laugh at how wrong we were. That's all I've got for you on this episode. Do appreciate you listening in. I'm interested to see what happens against the the Vikings this Sunday and uh, whether or not the Packers can take care of another opponent that they should handily beat. I think they will. But that's why they play the games. If you think somebody would benefit from hearing this podcast, go ahead and share it with them. You can find it on every, just about, I think, every podcast platform known to man. Um, If there's somewhere that you would like to listen to the show that you can't find it, let me know and I will see what I can do about getting it there. But in the meantime, continue to share it with people you think would benefit from hearing it. I think that's going to help us continue to grow this conversation around the Packers and ultimately help all of us become smarter Packers fans. Because as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We will see you next time on Blue 58.